Hi, my name is Rian and it's a joy to be here. We're excited to speak with you today on Psalm 139. We'll explore of how we're intimately known by God and how we're purposefully led by Him. Now, does anybody remember the movie Perks of Being a Wallflower? Now, there's this one quote that's stuck with everyone. We accept the love we think we deserve. And when I heard that quote, I was a bit confused, but touched because at that time, of course, I was an angsty teenager. But we think like that sometimes, don't we? That we accept the love we think we deserve. And sometimes we think if people really knew us, they wouldn't love us. Today's passage teaches us of how we don't have to fear when we're known by the Lord, but instead we have total freedom in trusting Him so that we may lead our lives that pleases Him. Psalm 139, the most decorative scripture passage, and I mean that literally, because many Christian homes would either have a wooden plaque on their door or an embroidered pillow somewhere. But as cliche as this psalm is, it teaches us a foundational principle of God, the fullness of God that has perfect knowledge and presence. Let's read the scripture for today. Psalm 139 O Lord, you have searched me and known me. You know when I sit down and when I rise up. You discern my thoughts from afar. You search out my path and my lying down and are acquainted with all my ways. Even before a word is on my tongue, behold, O Lord, you know it together. You hem me in behind and before and lay your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It is high. I cannot attain it. Where shall I go from your spirit? Or where shall I flee from your presence? If I ascend to heaven, you are there. If I make my bed in Sheol, you are there. If I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, even there your hand shall lead me and your right hand shall hold me. If I say, surely the darkness shall cover me and the light about me be night, even the darkness is not as dark to you. The night as bright as day, for darkness is as light to you. Amen. Now the word here known in its original language is translated from the word Yodea. And I don't know about you, but this sounds very familiar to a character that I know. <laughs> in Star Wars, the small but mighty Jedi Master Yoda takes his name inspiration from the Hebrew language word Yodea. Truly wonderful, the mind of a George Lucas is. <laughs> Anyways, I think David, he was trying to say something to us here. That the knowledge of God is so insanely thorough and deep that there is nothing he does not know. And now, when I was younger, not like I have a lot of years with me, but I remember trying to make something of myself and trying to find an identity for myself. 
After completing A-levels, I took an internship that had long working hours, a part-time waitressing job, and also serving in church as a way to spend that year. Even after that, when I began my degree, I was spearheading three new organizations, studying, serving in Christian fellowship the whole time. When I look back, I thought I could find my identity in those things, even if I had good intentions while doing it. But the more I worked, the more I felt empty. Eventually, I found myself depressed and anxious. And I think it was because despite those good intentions, I still looked to the world to tell me who I was. And then the pandemic came, realizing that none of my achievements brought me fullness. Well, I thought I had to let it all go and turn to God through His Word. And I knew that I needed help. And one of the ways that I sought for help was to go see a therapist. And during one of the sessions, you know, she asked me to describe how I felt participating in all these various projects. And of course, I, I told her about it. And then she said, you know, you are putting your hope on shaky foundations. Put your hope in God, who is firm and everlasting. And at that time, I remember I had two thoughts. One, I was like, wait, my therapist is a Christian? And the second, oh wow, that does make sense. And as the year passed, I turned to God through His Word and I grew deeper in it. And it radically changed my heart. Slowly but surely, I believed God knew me and loved me. He blessed me with a therapist who was grounded in faith. He comforted my heart through the pain and the grief. And most of all, He gifted me wisdom to study His Word by the Holy Spirit. There is humility in admitting honestly who we are to God as David does. Not in a fear that drives us away, but in a loving reverence to an all-present and all-knowing God. The psalmist acknowledges this by saying this intimate knowledge, yet ironically kingly, that tells him it is too wonderful for him to attain. He continues to write that wherever we go, God's presence is there. Note how the psalmist uses both the vertical, going up to heaven and down to shore, which means hell, and horizontal, wings of the morning and breath of the sea. This means we stand totally in front of God, both inwardly and outwardly. But we stand justified. Why? Because of the work of the cross. When Christ died for our sins, you and I. Therefore, coming face to face with God doesn't give us fear, but total freedom because of Christ who finished all the work on the cross. And by His grace, through His Spirit and His Word, eventually letting go of everything I worked so hard for didn't leave me with anxiety. But it left me with peace because I knew I was made complete 
in and because of Christ. I still struggle every now and then, as every human does. And there are times where I feel, when I fail to see God for who He is. Yet this truth remains. Even there, your hand shall lead me, and your right hand shall hold me. If I say, surely the darkness will cover me, and the light about me be night, even then, the darkness is not dark to you. The night is as bright as day, and the darkness is as light with you. God's perfect presence casts out all darkness because He is Lord over all things. And as John 1 verses 5 says, The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. So we can trust God, our Good Shepherd, who knows us through and through, even in our failures. Though it's not something for us to fear or grieve over, it's something for us to rejoice. And Edward now will speak to you on how to do so. Hello everyone, my name is Edward and it's so good to be able to speak to you today. Thank you Rianne for that lovely message on how we're intimately known and never alone. And now, I'll be continuing the second part of Psalm 139 on how we're purposefully made and never have to be afraid. Let's read together Psalm 139 verses 13 to 18. For you created my inmost being, you knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful and I know that full well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in the secret place, when I was woven together in the depths of the earth. Your eyes saw my unformed body and all the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. How precious to me are your thoughts, God! How vast is the sum of them! And were I to count them, they will outnumber the grains of sand. And when I awake, I am still with you. Amen. We're living in a highly connected world. And with the help of social media, it's really easy to connect and be acquainted with someone else. I read this the other day about the idea of six degrees of separation, which you've probably heard before. But basically, it's the idea that people are often six or fewer social connections apart. For example, David Beckham is probably my friend's 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 friend. Everyone knows everyone. But if you take a step back, you see that underneath this optics of connectivity, there's a huge sense of disconnect. Some of the main issues that I often hear people say are, why am I here? What's my purpose? Do I even matter? Their questions may not sound exactly like that, but at the heart of it, this is what they really want to know. What is the meaning of life? To know who we are, we must first know who God is. Verses 13 to 14 talks about how God knit us in our mother's womb and how we are fearfully and wonderfully made. God is our amazing creator and He knows us intimately and is there with us at the very beginning, at conception. Never thought I would share this publicly, but I'm happy and thankful to share that I'm going to be a first-time dad. My wife and I are really excited, but also wary at the same time to welcome this baby that will forever change our lives. Uh, 
Can't wait for sleepless nights. I've already had a few amateur father-to-be moments. Just a few months ago, my wife and I were on a speedboat. And for the fun of it, I asked the guy to speed up. And the boat was literally bouncing up and down, I kid you not. And we had to hold on for our dear life. And at the moment of fun, I totally forgot that my wife was pregnant. And after that, I actually got kind of worried thinking that the baby might detach from the placenta because of it. But in all seriousness, from the day we found out that my wife is pregnant, to the first medical checkup, and to the day we heard the baby's heartbeat for the very first time, to be able to experience firsthand just how much love one can have for something yet unseen and only microscopic at that stage, it then dawned upon me just how much God's love is for us. David praises God for He is fearfully and wonderfully made. And by fearfully here, I don't mean like say, fearful of cockroaches, well, that's me. Or like when you're in a primary school and you've forgotten to do your homework and you are fearful that your teacher is going to scold you. Well, that was also me. But the phrase fearfully, as intended in the original language here, means to revere, to be in awe. We were created so wonderfully and purposefully that it leaves us in awe of the Creator. It's like when you go to a potluck party and you eat something so good and you wonder who made it, when we see or taste something good, we want to know who's behind it. And it's the case with David, where he couldn't help but be in awe and sing praises, not to God, the cre- God's creation, but to God, the Creator, who made him so wonderfully and purposefully. And if you're here today and you're not sure if that's true, maybe sometimes you question the purpose for which you were made, the meaning of your work or the value of your life, I want to encourage you. This passage here says that you are not an accident. Your life matters and you are made for a purpose. King David goes on to say in verses 15 to 16, My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in the secret place, when I was woven together in the depths of the earth. Your eyes saw my unformed body and all the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. God has a book with our names and our whole life story written on it already. He knows us by name even while we were in our unformed body. If only I could take a sneak peek of that, then my wife and I wouldn't need to crack our heads thinking what to name our unborn son. In David's life story, we can see what God meant to David. David loved God with all his heart and not only that, he knew how deeply loved he was by God. We don't have time to go through all the details of David's life, but if you want to see, read about it, you can find it in First and Second Samuel. But basically, in many ways, David was an imperfect man. He made many mistakes throughout his life, and yet God knew him and would one day anoint him king. God knows every step that we take. He sees what we can't even begin to imagine, and He knows us more than we know ourselves. In university, I did engineering as part of our design make and test project. My team and I decided to build a tube notcher. And here's a picture of it. It's a machine that notches tubes to cater to different welding profiles. It was a six months long project and we were working on it day and night as though our lives depended on it. A lot of thought was put into it and every component had to be machined to perfection in accordance to our plan. 
I kid you not, but the project pretty much overtook my life. It even appeared in my dream. Actually, I would call it my nightmare. But jokes aside, all the efforts were made worthwhile when people started using the machine. My team, as the creators, knew exactly what this machine was created for. And it brought us joy when we saw it fulfilling its purpose. And it's the same with Jesus, who wove us together in the depths of the earth. We are not made as an afterthought. He made us for a purpose. He is with us in the beginning. He is with us in the future. And as you can see in the next two verses, He is with us in the present. Verses 17 to 18. How precious to me are your thoughts, God. How vast is the sum of them. And were I to count them, they would outnumber the grains of sand. And when I awake, I am still with you. God thinks of us every single moment. The word precious in the original language implies great weight and value. When God thinks of us, it's not a casual light thought, but one that signifies substance and fullness of thought. He thinks of us more than the grains of sand. Well, basically, he thinks of us a lot. In the NEV, new ad version, I can imagine David by the beach on a hot summer's day with a coconut in hand, just counting sand, thinking, God thinks of me one, God thinks of me two, God thinks of me three, until he falls asleep. And when he wakes up, he realizes, oh, God still thinks of me. God thinks of you every single moment. To know who we are, we must first know who God is. God is our amazing creator and he knits us in our mother's womb. You are a child of God and you are made for a purpose. You do not need to be afraid of what the future holds because not only are you intimately known and never alone, you are also purposefully made and never have to be afraid. And now I shall pass it on to Sarah to wrap up Psalm 139. So over to you, Sarah. Thanks, Rhiannon and Ed, for walking us through what really can be described as a song of love and comfort that highlights just how intimately known and purposefully made we are. Hi, I'm Sarah, and I'm privileged to serve as part of the worship and production team. I've been living in Malaysia with my husband, Kevin, and our two children for the last eight years. I stand here proudly and say, I was the daughter of a single mum. She had me when she was 19. And I've been labelled by society and initially even some of my own family members as a mistake, a barrier to opportunity, a trap even. You see, my mum was the bright star of her family, the one with all the promise. And the news of my arrival brought much disappointment. Maybe you've made missteps that you feel have defined you. Or perhaps in your most difficult season, you felt that you yourself are a mistake. But what my life testifies to is that even a misstep or a mistake can be used to bring glory to God. Now, if you told me eight years ago I'd be living over 11,000 kilometres away from home and I'd find a home church like HTBB, I would have possibly not believed you. But if I'd paused and reflected and taken a look back, I'd quickly be convinced because I've seen just how many things God has lovingly walked me through. 
My life's been peppered with experiences, some good, some bad, but they've all really shone a lens on just how much God loves me and that through that love, he has led me and shaped me into the woman who stands before you today. Through most of my teens, I had this intense longing for a father's love. At the age of 16, I attended a youth camp and I encountered God in what can only be described as a life-changing way. If you know me, then it'll come as no surprise that that happened during a session of worship. The lyrics of the song are still so fresh in my mind and the melody so clear. And in your embrace I'll be forever secure. I love the way you father me. As I sang those words with tears streaming down my face in that moment, I literally stopped looking. I'd found my identity. I knew whose I was and my life's never been the same. For my portion of the chapter, I want us to keep in mind the image of God as a father. Now, there are lots of ways to define a father, a male figure, a priest. If you're part of HGBB worship, you'll know him as Father Stu. But for some of us, that experience of a father may not be a good one. Perhaps like me, you don't even really have a point of reference. So let me direct you to this one, a father, one who provides care and protection. Let's read Psalms 139 verses 19 to 24. If only you, God, would slay the wicked away from me, you who are bloodthirsty, They speak of you with evil intent. Your adversaries misuse your name. Do I not hate those who hate you, Lord, and abhor those who are in rebellion against you? I have nothing but hatred for them. I count them my enemies. Search me, God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there is any offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. Wow. Okay, David, that first bit was quite intense, but I have to say, I admire how raw his honesty is. You know, you've got to give it to David. His understanding of God's care and protection of him meant that he didn't see much point in hiding his true feelings from God. We see David here full of emotion, perhaps even anger. And it made me wonder, Why did David essentially let it all hang out before God? Why did he expose that part of his character? Why did he let God see that side of him? As I mentioned earlier, I have two amazing children. And despite them both being from the exact same gene pool, when they were younger, they could not have been more different. Now, not mentioning any names, but one of them used to cry about everything. And I mean everything. When it was time for that child to go to preschool, I started to get a bit anxious. I kept thinking, is it possible they can expel a toddler for excessive crying? But you know, to my surprise, I never received one such report. Instead, I was told how happy and fun that child was and what a great attitude they had. And that kid was those things every single day until they got into my car and cried for the whole 20 minute journey home. It didn't matter how many times we played hippo, 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 hippopotamus on endless loop, or if I bought the most favorite snack, it was always the same result. Now, rewind to the start of my talk when I told you how proud I am of my mum. 
When it comes to mums, I hit the jackpot. She's so full of wisdom and grace. So I'm on the phone and I'm spilling all of my parenting woes. And I'm waiting for her to tell me something so profound to give me some excellent piece of parenting knowledge. And she tells me, well done. Like, what? Well done? Did you say well done? What's there to celebrate? I can't get my kid to stop crying, ever. Then she goes on to say, it's because they feel safe and loved. Now I know I'm speaking to all the parents with a moody toddler right now. Give yourself a pat on the back. You are doing a great job. You see, just like David, my child knew that with me, they had found a safe and loving place in which the honesty of their true feelings and emotions could be explored. A place where they could be freely vulnerable, knowing no harm would come to them. In those verses where David is petitioning God to kill his enemies, we see that ultimately he was secure in the knowledge of being truly known and purposefully made by God. David could trust that if he was completely honest with God, that would allow God to lovingly lead him to be that which God said he was. A man after God's own heart, a worshipper, a strong and brave king, a man whose line Jesus came from, a very human man who made mistakes, but whose life God used anyway, a man who made mistakes, but whose life was not one. In verses 23 and 24, he goes on to say, Search me, God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there is any offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. David stays in this place of vulnerability, of trust, and he asks God the Father, the one who bestows on him care and protection, to highlight the areas of weakness the areas where he needs to align his heart with the heart of God. And he's only able to do this because he's so acutely aware of how much God loves him. Just like my child on what felt like endless car journeys, he lets it all out because he knows without a shadow of a doubt that God will never let him go. He belongs to God. The simple answer to your question of, does God love me? Can God love me? Will God still love me is that he sent his only son to die in your place. And you know, the beauty of our God is that he doesn't just send correction, but he lovingly leads us to make the necessary changes. You see, like any good father, God makes sure we have what we need to be the best versions of ourselves. John 14, 26 reads, The Advocate the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I have said to you. The Holy Spirit is with us to lovingly lead us to the place where we can fulfill the purpose he has made us for. In God, we ultimately find the Father who cares and protects. And if you allow him and if you follow his gentle and kind leading, he will lead you into a life of purpose and security. He doesn't want us to hide any part of ourselves from him. He wants the warts and all. He wants the vulnerability because that's the place his love shines the brightest. Will you, like David, open your heart and let him search it? Will you be open to his testing? 
knowing you can trust him to lovingly lead you in the way everlasting. As I've been preparing this talk, I really was praying that God would help me to speak to you. And I feel that God is saying today that there's someone out there that you feel that you have to be perfect before God can use you. But God wants you to know he's not looking for perfection. He's looking for honesty. He's saying to you, you are my creation and I only create good things. Nothing I do is a mistake. And that includes you too. Father, as we come at this time, we pray that you will fill every heart and you will fill every home. Lord, help us to remember and to know that we are intimately known, we are purposefully made, and we are lovingly led by you. You don't call us because we are perfect, but you call us because we are your children. Bless us now, we pray in Jesus' name. Let's continue to worship. 